to reintroduce myself, I'm Teresa, and I have been married to Lucas for 22 years. We have three just such handsome boys. Nathaniel, who is 17, he's going to be 18 in two weeks, you guys. I can't even handle it. And I'm going to sit over here. Jackson, who is 15, 16 in January, and Owen, who is our baby, 13. <laughs> he is our baby. Marilyn's laughing because he really is our baby. Um, so we, as Lisa mentioned, we have been connected to this wonderful church for over 22 years now. We were married here with the orange carpet. We served here as youth leaders. Lucas was on staff doing college ministry, and then they had had enough and kicked us out of the country to Brazil, where we have been joyfully serving for nine years. Um, and I tell you, when I was asked to speak tonight, <laughs> this is gonna be total honest and transparency tonight, okay? When I was asked to speak tonight, I was like, what excuse can I come up with to say no? because I did not want to do it, because this is a huge responsibility, you guys. This is a huge responsibility um, to have this type of just venue, I guess, at this church to share God's word and to share my heart. And so I was like, I've, I've got to come up with some reason to tell Sarah no. But I talked to Lucas about it, which I shouldn't have done, because he was like... <laughs> you can't say no, this is a great opportunity, and I prayed about it and couldn't come up with any good excuses, and so I said yes. But I would tell you, not only is it a huge responsibility, but it is such a special privilege because this church is so special to me. It is so special to our family. It has been our home um, for 22 years, and this place helped us grow and loved us and was patient with us. And when we come back to Iowa for any reason, we are so excited to see our family and to be at this church. So it is a real privilege for me to be able to share with you tonight um, just something that God has been teaching me over the last few years. So, but let me pray first. I'm a little bit nervous, so. Let's, uh, let's pray real quick. Thank you, Lord, so much for this wonderful privilege to be here with these ladies, to just share what I am confident that you have laid on my heart to share tonight. Lord, I ask that you would just remove all the distractions. Lord, that you would help me to speak clearly, to communicate your word um, just clearly, Lord. Lord, I pray that whoever is here tonight that really needs to hear this, that you would open their ears and soften their hearts. Lord, just use me tonight. Thank you for this wonderful privilege that it is to share your word. I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So I'm a, I'm a pretty simple person. I'm not a theologian. I've been reading some books this, this furlough, which is like a really big deal for me. Um, but I'm just, I'm pretty simple. It's very, you know, if this is what God is telling me to do, then I just do it, and that's it, and it's simple, and I don't dig, and so this is not going to be some big, deep theological lesson. This is going to be something, one simple thing that the Lord has 
really been teaching me over the last eight years, um, but really, really specifically teaching me this specific thing over the last four years or so. Um, this idea that I'm going to share with you is something that has shaped the way I relate to people, um, the way I relate to my husband, the way I relate to other women. It has um, helped me just really grow a lot. What we're going to talk about is what goes on inside our heads. Because there is a whole lot going on up in here. And I know, I know that there is in you too. I know that our minds do not stop. And this is not, this is true for men and women. I get that because their minds are constantly going too. But, you know, men and women are created differently. And I think maybe our minds sometimes think even differently than them, the way that it's going and that it's going and that it's going. And that really plays out in our day-to-day -day life. But before, before I get, get into all that, I want to jump back um, to where this really all began. And this was in November of 2010. November of 2010, I had my very first panic attack. I shared about this four and a half years ago. It's not what I'm going to share about tonight, but it's the beginning of this journey for me. And um, you, if you want to hear more, you're more than welcome to ask me about it sometime. If this is something that you struggle with, anxiety and panic, totally open book about it. Um, but through the process that the Lord took me through in identifying my struggle with anxiety and in just attacking it and figuring out where the root is and why I'm struggling with this anxiety and why I'm having these panic attacks, what the Lord showed me is that it all starts right here. It all starts right here. And it is so important that I control what is going on in my mind. And back then, what he was showing me is that I need to stop those anxious thoughts before they even begin. Before they even begin. And I want to tell you that God has been so good uh, because while I still battle anxiety, I've had so much victory. I'm not suffering from panic attacks anymore. Um, God has just been so good and so faithful in just helping me go through that. But what I've learned over the last several years is this is just the beginning of the battle of the mind. It's not just my anxiety that I need to control my thoughts about. It's much, much more than that. Back in 2011, we went to this conference and it was a, a conference in Brazil with a bunch of other missionaries, and it was at the beach. And we were so excited because we loved to go to the beach. And we got there, and we got the schedule, and we were like in classes and workshops almost like the whole time. And there was this one workshop that was about conversations. And it, it was called Crucial Conversations. I had no idea what that was. I was just like, why do I need a class on how to have a conversation when on the other side of this wall is this beautiful beach. Are you serious right now? And we were, I was, and I think Lucas kind of was too, but I probably shouldn't speak for him, but I was kind of like, this is ridiculous. I would much rather, if I'm gonna be at a conference, I wanna relax, I wanna be on the beach. I don't wanna learn about conversations. I know they're crucial. Well, obviously that's not what it was about. It was a fantastic 
fantastic class. Um, and so many wonderful things we learned in that class. But I really only remember one thing. And I remember this one thing because it's been something that we have <clears throat> just carried with us um, in our own personal lives that I have applied very much in my own personal life and in the lives of the women that I walk with. And that thing is storytelling. Storytelling. We're storytelling people, aren't we? We tell stories. We love to watch movies and read books, which are stories. We read stories to our children throughout the day before they go to bed. We like to sit down with our friends and over a cup of coffee and hear a story about their life and tell a story about our life. We're storytelling people, but we also think in stories. We tell ourselves stories up in our minds. Um, what do I mean by storytelling in my mind? Well, okay, so something happens to us, okay? You have a conversation with someone, or someone looks at you a certain way, or with like a certain expression, and you don't really know what's going on, but we take the information that we have from whatever that situation is, and we try to make a puzzle so that it makes sense to us. But we don't have all the facts but we still want that story, we still want to make sense of it. So we fill in the gaps of the puzzle to make our complete story. Sometimes a story that we tell ourselves, we fill in with, you know, good stuff. We fill in with giving the benefit of the doubt, or, you know, whatever. That's not what we're gonna talk about tonight. We're gonna to talk about the oh-so-often times that we fill in those gaps of the story with lies with lies. Let me give you an example. Your friend sends you a text. And I'm going to tell you, this, these are real life examples. When I wrote this one, I was like trying to pretend it was all generic, but really, I mean, it's, it's real life example. Let's be for real. So your friend sends you a text, and this text says, I need to talk to you about something. Can we meet for coffee this week? And you're like, sure. And that's all the information that you get. What, what are you going to do? What you should do is say, okay, pray about it and wait the two days until you're going to get together. But what do you really do? Well, what could she want to talk to me about? And then you start thinking back of the situations, the, the encounters that you've had with her over the last couple weeks, and what could she want to talk to me about? What did I do? Oh, was it that one day that I said that one thing? Is she offended by that? There's no way she's offended by that. I can't believe she's offended by that. Well, now I'm offended that she's offended. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. Well, now I'm already mad at her. And you show up and you're already defense, you've got your defenses up, or maybe you avoid her because you see her in Target and you don't want to bring up the subject, so you go to the other aisle and you totally avoid her. Do you even know what she wants to talk to you about? No. Maybe she wants to bless you with a shopping spree. Who knows? <laughs> you just don't know what she wants to talk to you about. How we think in these situations is going to determine how we respond. Here's another one. And I was going to totally tell this one like it was hypothetical. And then I was like, I can't tell like it's hypothetical because this legitimately happened last month in this room on this stage. So, <laughs> so I told you, I'm going to be totally real, you guys. So I'm rehearsing with the worship band for the missions conference last month. 
and we're talking about the song that we were going to do part in Portuguese. And I'm listening, and I just, I sometimes feel like when I open my mouth, I just say really dumb things. And so typically, if I have a microphone in my hand and it's like an off-the-cuff moment, I really just shouldn't say anything. But I thought, I'm the one singing it in Portuguese, so I probably should give my opinion about how it should be done, right? So I start talking, and the words are coming out of my mouth, and I'm like, what am I even saying? It doesn't even make sense. It's like I was trying to give this great philosophical reason why this song should be done with English and in Portuguese. And, and I'm talking, and I'm, as I'm talking, I'm like, I sound like a complete idiot. Just stop, just stop. But no, I keep talking to try and dig myself out of all the other stuff I got done saying, and then I just quit. And then we just go on, and we finish rehearsing. And nobody said anything. Nobody laughed. Nobody looked at me weird. But it stayed in my head. I go home, and I'm still thinking about it, and I'm still thinking about it. And then the next day, I'm taking Jackson to work, and I'm driving home in the car, and I'm like still thinking about it. And this, this is what is going on in my head. Oh my goodness, they must all think I'm such an idiot. They're thinking, she doesn't even know what she's talking about. And then, Paul's probably like, why did I ask this girl to sing in the first place? I'm not asking her to sing again. And people are going to start wondering why we're even serving overseas. I mean, it was like ridiculous. And I'm driving in the car, ladies, and I said literally out loud to myself, stop it. Stop it. Because none of that was true. But that is what happens when we tell these stories in our mind and we fill in the gaps with things that are not true. I think... If I ask the question, can you relate? I think that probably you can. So what's going on in your head? What stories are you telling yourself? I'm going to read Proverbs 4.23 to you, but first I'm going to do it in Portuguese, because this particular um, translation in Portuguese is not... The, the way it is and the way it, what it means in Portuguese sounds better if I just translate it myself instead of reading a translation that's already done in English. And it's Proverbs 4.23, which says, Tenha cuidado com o que você pensa, pois a sua vida é dirigida pelos seus pensamentos. Which means, take care with what you think, because your life is driven by your thoughts. Take care with what you think because your life is driven by your thoughts. What I think is going to determine, is going to drive what I say and what I feel and what I do. Because everything we say and everything we feel and everything we do, we think it first. It always starts here. Sometimes we can tell ourselves stories that get even more out of control than the one from last month. I'm going to give you one more real-life Teresa Bear example that you're just going to be like, this woman is crazy. So last year, I got an email from the U.S. consulate of our city. And I was like, well, this is really cool. It was from a woman who works at the U.S. consulate. And she had gotten my name from someone because we do English-speaking ministries and stuff, conversation classes and all this stuff. And she wanted to compile a list, unofficially, but compile a list of different fluent English speakers in our city who offer services like doctors and dentists and lawyers and stuff like that so that um, people who didn't speak Portuguese, if they needed these services, they could 
reference them. I'm like, sure. So I put a little thing in our, in our WhatsApp group. It's like a texting group. We had like maybe 60, 70 people in this group saying what she needed and said, if you, you know, offer these services, let me know. Well, what I didn't know is that that thing went viral. And these people were passing it to these people and these people, and it was like all over the place. And it had become a game of like virtual telephone. Remember that game where you're sitting in a line and you whisper something and then they whisper it to the next person, you get to the end and it's nothing like what it sounded like in the beginning? That is exactly what happened. Because next thing I know, I'm getting a message, a voice message from this woman at the consulate, really, really mad that I had apparently said that the U.S. consulate was hiring English speakers. And they started getting phone calls. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is a disaster. She was really mad. And then so she called and chewed me out. And then she called out because a mutual friend had given my name. She called this mutual friend and chewed him out. So then I'm just like freaking out. Oh my goodness, what do I do? So, you know, I took care of it in the conversation, stop telling people no, that they're hiring, nobody's hiring, you need to tell these people and tell these people, and I apologized to her, I was so sorry, please forgive me, I apologized to our mutual friend, I'm so sorry, please forgive me, and that was it. It was taken care of. That should have been it, because it was taken care of, but that is not how it ended, because this wonderful, little mind of mine, kept going and decided that that just was not good enough of a soap opera. So <laughs> I, over the next several days, just repeatedly thought over the situation in my mind and what I could have done differently and why did I do that and I shouldn't have done that. So then I'm getting all mad at myself that this happened in the first place. Well, then I'm thinking, well, man, she was so mad at me. She works at the U.S. consulate. I bet she is just telling everybody about me. And they're just like, oh, she doesn't represent America. And just totally making me look like even more of an idiot than I felt at the moment. And then I'm thinking, oh, man, I bet our English-speaking people aren't even going to want to come to our ministry anymore because I totally messed this up. Oh, our ministry is just going to fall apart. We're not going to have anybody come to our conversation group. And don't even think about our friend, our mutual friend who's on staff at the church we serve with. He's probably thinking that I should disqualify my husband from ministry. And he's probably going to go and talk to the lead pastor. The lead pastor is going to say, you know, I was thinking that she probably does disqualify him anyway. So let's tell him they can't do the church plant. And we're not going to have a ministry in Brazil. And we're going to come back to cold Iowa. I am not joking you. That is where my mind went. I was sick to my stomach. I was not sleeping. The story got so completely out of control in my mind. Because in reality, it was really, it was done. It was done. Our mutual friend was totally fine. He understood it was a mistake. The English people, ministry people, came to the English ministry stuff. Everything was fine. I'm not kicked out of the country, and we still have a ministry. But I was not, I was not controlling my mind. And in the midst of all that, as it was going and going and going, Lucas, who knows me well, could see that something was not right, and I started telling him all of the things, and he just looked at me and said, stop telling yourself stories. And it was like, oh, you're right. I'm telling myself stories. 
And he helped me look at what was true, and none of it was. None of it was true. I had been creating this crazy, out-of-control soap opera in my mind, and my fear of man was just rearing its ugly head. Ladies, we have got to get control of our stories, because I know I'm not alone in this. Maybe you're not so crazy thinking you're going to get kicked out of a country or lose your entire job, but I know that I am not alone in struggling with just false stories and scenarios that we create in our minds. I know I'm not alone in this. Let's look at, if you have your Bible, if not, I think it's going to be up here. I want to read Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to be reading in the NLT because I just really like it in this passage. It kind of speaks my language. Um, Verses 21 to 32. which say, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. I love this passage. I use this passage all the time, all the time, in my life, in my discipleships, and we'll get to why in just a second. But I want to look at verse 23. Verse 23 is huge to me. Because this, this is a popular passage. A lot of people know this passage, the put off and the put on. Um, Pastor even referenced it this morning. But um, I want to look at verse 23 because what does it say? Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts. And then he goes into the things we're supposed to put off and put on. Why? Because it all starts up here. If I am not letting the Spirit renew my thoughts, if I am not letting the Spirit take control of what is going on up here, then the put off and put on, it's not going to be legit. It's not going to be God doing it through me. Let's look at this list here. Um, of what can happen when we don't let the Spirit renew our thoughts. It's going to be all the stuff we're supposed to put off, right? Um, It's in these verses 25 to the end, and I'll just read you a list here. Some of the things that happen, some of the things that happen, because a list is much bigger than this, right? Some of the things that happen when we don't let the Spirit renew our thoughts are that we tell lies, 
We let anger control us. We steal. We aren't generous. We use foul and abusive language. We aren't encouragers. We become bitter and angry. We use harsh words and we slander. We aren't kind, we aren't tenderhearted, and we don't forgive. And I'm not saying that every single one of you does every single thing on this list, but this list is a list of characteristics that can be indicators in our life that something's not right in our thoughts. Because he's saying, if you let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, then you will put off and you will put on and you will put on these good things. But if you are just doing the stuff we're supposed to put off, then you haven't let the Spirit renew your thoughts. Does that make sense? I hope I'm making sense. But this is our checklist. This is my checklist. When we look at our lives, when we look at our relationships, when we really listen to what words are coming out of our mouths, when we think about our feelings, if the things on this list are present in your life, then there's a really good chance you're telling yourself some not good stories and you don't have control of what's going on in your mind. So I, wa I want you to think right now as, as you think over this list, if you look at your life, are these characteristics, are these indicators flashing at you right now? Are you seeing some of these things in your own life? Verses 21 through 24 tell us that if we know Jesus, if we have trusted in him to save us from our sins, then our lives need to be different than before. So how? Well, verse 23, we need to change our way of thinking. If we change our way of thinking, then we will put off and we will put on, and verses 28 through 32 can play out in our lives in the good way, in the put on way. Let's also, Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Change the way of thinking first, and then the actions come. My main role in Brazil right now, <clears throat> besides my family and and my home is discipleship and mentorship of women. And it is, I love it. I love it. I love sitting down with a woman one-on-one -on -one and just speaking into her life and walking with her and watching God transform her. It's a front row seat to the transformation of God in someone's life. And um, there was a woman, I've had a privilege to walk with quite a few women, and um, it's usually wonderful. There's one woman who I walked with for about two years. We're going to call her Susan. Um, obviously, Susan is not a Portuguese name, okay? <laughs> We're going to call her Susan. And uh, <clears throat> Susan was a new believer when we met. She had a really rough past. She was married with um, several kids in her home. We were about the same age. Her home was pretty broken, pretty hurting. She had some wayward kids, um, pretty bad with drugs involved and, and things like that. 
And she just carried a lot of hurt, carried a lot of bitterness. But she had a real desire to be freed from that. She had a real desire to grow. Um, she really wanted her home to become whole. And she wanted to serve in the church. Excuse me. So we started meeting weekly. Um, we would talk about, you know, how important it is to know the Bible, how important it is to have a prayer life, um, how important it is to be with other believers. I would give her things that I wanted her to be reading to help her develop a, a Bible study part of her life. Um, because of her real struggles in her home and, and things like that, we really hit hard this, this idea, this truth of controlling our thoughts and filling your mind with truth. And so I weekly was giving her verses that I wanted her to memorize. But week after week, she showed up, and she hadn't read what I wanted her to read, and she hadn't been memorizing the Bible verses, and the struggles continued in her home, and she continued to be bitter about her past and things that were going on at work, and she just couldn't understand why. She couldn't understand why things weren't changing. And so we go back to the same thing and talk about how it's important that, that it's our mind and you need to do your part and you need to, to battle the lies that are in your mind because they're so strong. We talked a lot about Romans 12 too. We were in Ephesians 4 all the time. We talked about how God calls us to love people in Matthew 22. We are commanded to love people and we need to love people how Jesus loved. If we're gonna love people how Jesus loved, then we need to think like Jesus thinks. And I guarantee Jesus was not creating crazy stories in his mind. He was not. He thought true thoughts. And these were our times together, week after week, month after month, for about two years. When I think about this list, the, the checklist of indicators from Ephesians chapter 4, and I think about her life and the way she related to people, this list was so prevalent in her life, and it, it never quite seemed to change from week to week. She would lie to her husband and her coworkers to benefit herself. She was very controlled by her anger. She would go days without talking to her husband when they got in an argument. She used very abusive language in their home towards um, the people in her home. She was filled with bitterness about things from her past, but also about the thing that happened yesterday or the thing that happened an hour ago. It was instant bitterness. She had rage, like violent rage. And she slandered her husband and she slandered her coworkers. These things were, were prevalent in her life and she was not willing to, to take the steps she needed to step to take to control her mind, and so things didn't change, and she couldn't understand why things weren't changing. And what happened? She started to think that God didn't love her, and that she wasn't gonna change. And sadly, I just found out about three months ago that she has completely walked away from the Lord. She wants nothing to do with church. I don't know how she's going to feel about me when I get back, but certainly I will go over there. But the stories and the lies that she was telling herself, the way she was filling in those gaps 
in the puzzle that she was making to try and make sense of it all, it just completely took over to where the lies became truth to her. She believed things like, my husband only cares about himself. None of my needs are being met. No one understands my point of view. I have completely messed up my kids. These are all things that she'd say. Everyone judges me. God cannot change me. I don't think God even wants to change me because no one loves me. God doesn't even love me anymore. How can he when I act the way I act and I say the things I say? Can you relate to any of those things? Any of those lies? Have you ever thought any of those things about yourself? None of those things are true. None of them. But she believes that they are. I still believe that God can transform her. I really do. But she has absolutely got to let the Spirit renew her mind. Because right now she's a prisoner to the lies and the, the, the crazy soap opera stories that she has created in her mind. Ladies, if you know Christ as your Savior, he wants to transform your life. He wants to. And it, he wants to transform your life into something that you cannot even imagine. That's what he does. And when he transforms us, I mean, it it's, can be such a beautiful thing, and that's what he wants to do. But pa let's pause for just a second, because... Maybe you don't know Christ personally. Maybe you're visiting. Maybe you were at Rejoice this weekend and this is your first Sunday checking out this church. Maybe you've been coming here for a long time, but in the back of your mind, you, you know that you've never had a personal encounter with Christ. That is where it begins. That is where it has to begin. Well, I met Christ when I was 16. I was at a church camp and I heard for the very first time that I was a sinner and that my sin had a consequence, that that consequence was hell. But that Jesus, he paid my penalty. He died on the cross for me. And he died on the cross for you. And I trusted in that, that truth. And I claimed him as my savior when I was 16 years old. And he has been transforming me ever since. And sometimes it hurts but I am so thankful, I am so thankful. When you do know Christ, he wants to help you put on your new nature. What is this new nature? It says, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That's what it says in Ephesians 4.24. But remember, verse 23 comes before verse 24. What does that say? Let the Spirit renew your thoughts. So, how? I've been talking about all these crazy stories that go on in my head. I am not a crazy person. I really am not. I don't think I'm much different than you. I'm just telling the craziness in a microphone on a stage. <laughs> That's the only difference between you and me. But how do I, how do I do this? How do I stop creating crazy stories in my mind? How do I let the Spirit renew my thoughts? Well, I want to give you three practical ideas 
that I've applied to my own life that has given me great victory in this area. It starts with self-evaluation, that Ephesians chapter 4 list, which I think is a much bigger list than just Ephesians chapter 4. But it's, it starts by looking at your life and looking at your relationships. Matthew 22, 37-39 says, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. How are you loving people? We are commanded to love people. How are you doing at it? Ephesians 4, that checklist, is a great way to evaluate how you're doing with loving people. So much of that is about our relationships. Are you generous? How do you respond when someone wrongs you? How are your words? Are you bitter? Are you angry? Maybe you have rage. I don't know. Are you kind? Are you tender-hearted? How are you doing in the area of forgiveness? How we relate to people is going to be a great indicator of what's going on in our minds. Your emotions. Are you depressed? Are you anxious? Great indicators. And I'll tell you, I, I know what my indicators are. First one, hello, panic attacks of 2010 and beyond. Great indicator. My anxiety is a great indicator that something is not right in my mind. And I'll tell you, I do still battle anxiety, but God has used people and, and his scripture to show me how to recognize it and to get the stories under control before they get out of control and the anxiety builds and eventually leads to a panic attack. I have to control the stories. I have a headache, that does not mean that I have brain cancer. If I have a headache, let's take some Tylenol. You know, stop in the story before it turns into a crazy soap opera. Another indicator for me that I've learned is anger. Apparently, I battle anger, ladies. I do, and I was in denial until last year, I had to do this. How am I doing? I'm okay on time. Had to do this. One of the things that we have done in our process of church planting is participate in all the different programs and retreats that our host church offers. And one of them was Celebrate Recovery. And I was like, I don't need to go to Celebrate Recovery. I'm not, I don't have any addictions to anything. But I'll go because I need to understand all the ministries, you know, going there all... I'm just going to go and understand it and tell everybody else that they need to do it, you know, and I get there and learn that it was about, like, everything, everything in your life, not just alcoholism or, or things like that, but it just totally opens up your heart and shows you what's going on, and it opened up my mind, and I saw, oh, man, I get angry. I, like, really get angry really easily. That is something that I struggle with, and it is an indicator for me because nine times out of 10, I'm angry because I've told myself some ridiculous story in my mind. Those are my indicators. What are yours? What are your indicators? 
Second thing that you can do to really help you in this journey, I guess we'll call it, of stopping the storytelling is to ask for help. Do you have a friend that you can trust? Who do you talk to? You really need to talk to someone. Is there another woman in your life who you can open up to? Not just open up to about what you have been reading in the Word or what you have been reading in a book or how you have been serving here or serving that, but someone who you can open up to about the dark stuff that's going on in your mind. Do you have someone like that in your life? We have just touched the tip of the iceberg of our thought life tonight. It is, there is so many, are so many different directions that our mind can go about so many different things. Like, we didn't even talk about our thoughts in the area of sexual purity. I am not touching on that subject. We'll let someone else do that. But we didn't even talk about that. But I think it's huge. I think what goes on in our mind in, in this area is huge because how do you think infidelity and sex out of marriage happens? It starts with a thought. It starts right here. So who are you talking to? Who are you opening up to about the deep, dark things that are happening in your mind? Because it is so much better to open up with someone about a thought and stop it before it turns into an action than it is to have to repent for an action and go through a whole process of restoration. The Lord has brought someone into my life, a great friend who is this to me. I'm so thankful for her. And in the beginning, it was really hard. It was really hard to open up with her and share just dark and crazy and impure thoughts that I had. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to talk about that. But I'm so thankful that she really pushed me to open up. And I'm so thankful that I did because it has been such a blessing to have someone who knows what's going on up here. She knows what questions to ask me. She knows what my, my indicators are that something's not right. And she is bold enough to call me out on it, to challenge me when I need to change something. And it has been such a blessing in my life. It has helped me grow so much, and I am so, so thankful for her. And so I would encourage you to find someone that you can talk to. Or maybe the Lord will lay it on your heart to be that to someone, to be the person who, who l listens when someone opens up. And I just want to encourage you to be humble and to be loving and to be full of grace on both ends. It takes humility to open up and it takes humility to listen. The third thing that I think is so important in this battle against the crazy stories is to fill your mind with truth. Ephesians 4 talks about putting off and putting on. We need to put off and put on in our minds. 
We need to put off the lies, put off the soap opera, put off the crazy, and put on the truth. One way you can do that is by asking yourself, is this true? Is what I'm thinking true? When I spiraled out of control in the great U.S. consulate incident of 2017, Lucas just asked, told me to stop telling myself stories and challenged me to look at the facts of the situation. He challenged me to think, what is true? I was not thinking on truth. Not at all. We need to put off the lies in our minds and put on truth by understanding and knowing God's word. Ladies, we need to be reading scripture. We need to read God's word. I need to read God's word every day in the morning. If I don't begin my day with truth, the lies creep in a whole lot quicker and a whole lot earlier in the day and a whole lot easier. I know me, and I need to start my day with truth. I, I, I have to. I have to. We need to be memorizing scripture, and I'm going to confess to you I'm really bad at that. Really bad at that. I need to be memorizing scripture a lot more than I am because we cannot recognize lies if we don't know the truth. And we're not always going to be able to pull this out and look at it and say, okay, let me look, I'm having this thought, let me look and see if that's a lie. No, I need to know, I need to have in my mind who God is, who is he, what is his character, who am I? I am a child of God, I am a daughter of the king, I am loved, he loves me, I am forgiven. I need to have scripture that I can reference at all times, all times. And I think, at least for me, throughout my day, I need to have some check-in moments because I can start my day in the Word and start my day in prayer, and then two hours have gone by, and the day has already gotten crazy, and I am just not even thinking about controlling my thoughts and what's going on in here. And so I need to do a check-in time. We don't only have to read our Bibles once a day. If we're memorizing scripture, we're going to do that throughout our day, and that's going to be a way throughout the day that I am thinking on truth, that I'm battling the lies that are going on in my mind. So, I want to ask you to look at yourself, to look at your life, to look at your relationships, to think about your day and, and look at yourself and say, what stories am I telling myself? What, what stories am I telling myself? Are they true? Or am I telling myself, myself stories that are full of lies? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Meditation of my heart. 
I connect that directly to my thoughts. What I'm meditating on in my heart is what I'm going to be meditating on in my mind. And what's going up on, on up here, it's important to God. And it needs to be pleasing to him. Even if people aren't seeing it, he sees it. And it needs to be pleasing to him. Let me pray. Thank you, Lord, so much for this just great privilege of sharing your word, of sharing what you've been doing in my life. Thank you, Lord, for each of these ladies. I just, uh, Lord, I pray for each and every one that they would be able to see the difference between lies and truth. Lord, I pray that you would transform their minds, transform their lives. Lord, I pray that they would submit their minds to you every day, that they would strive to be pleasing to you in their thoughts. Lord, help us to stop telling ourselves stories that are full of lies. But Lord, that we would please you by thinking on the truth. Because Lord, the way that we love people and the way we interact with people is going to flow from what we're thinking. So Lord, help us to please you and to love people by letting the Spirit control our minds. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for these friendships and this wonderful church. And I pray these things in your son's name. Amen.